Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to season two of the Living in Light podcast, where the whole season is going to be dedicated to the fabulous topic of sacred sexuality. I hope it blesses your socks off. I am super excited about my guest today, who is the wonderful Katrina McCain from North Carolina. Now, Katrina, she reached out to me. Um, about three or four weeks ago and just introduced herself to me. She's a recent author and a a woman in ministry, a model for nine years and now she's coaching. She's raising her two beautiful girls, lives with her hubby in the US and she told me about her book and she was totally up for doing a podcast. Um, And then I had to say to Katrina, I'm so sorry, like the whole of season two is actually about sexuality so I didn't know if that was going to fit in with the kind of thing that Katrina might want to speak about but she was totally just like hey I can talk about sexuality and then we were like yes so then we organized today's chat and I am so excited about you guys hearing from her um just because she's bold about you know this beautiful gift of sexuality and it's so precious just talking to her and getting her wisdom and hearing her insight and and really hearing about her experiences about marital intimacy but also just as you know a christian woman so without further ado let me introduce you to the wonderful katrina mccain hi bobby thank you for having me Oh, such a joy, such, such a joy. Katrina, tell me how, um, at this precise moment, what is quarantine like for you guys out there? Oh, goodness. Um, honestly, it's, it, you know, at this point now, what we're like a month and a half, almost two months into it, and it's become quite normal yeah. <laughs> now. And um, we are just living life together all day. So my husband is an analyst so he's in a lot of meetings. So he's upstairs for most of the morning and the girls and I are downstairs and we are doing all the things that I can think to do to keep my two-year-old and my four-year-old preoccupied. So we're having dance parties and we're making cookies and we're running around outside and catching ladybugs and looking at butterflies and just, you know, just enjoying the time. And also, um, based on what you told me earlier on, um, it also involves rummaging through your stuff and finding KY jelly. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell us that story? (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, of course, this would happen today on on sex day, right? So I'm getting ready. The girls had a, their preschool had a little um, parade. Um, They've been out of school for two months now and so I was I got them ready first and I figured well let me just brush my teeth and comb my hair and um so I'm you know getting myself situated and I I figured they'd be running around you know getting into things and that's fine well my my two-year-old comes running in the bathroom you know and she's like I have it I have it and I'm turning what do you have darling and it is a whole tube of lube (laughs) it's so old because I actually got it uh we were very newly wed and I had it my aunt suggested that I get some so I had some and we barely used it but in our move it just got put in a box somewhere yeah and the box has just been somewhere and jail found the box (laughs) <laughs> Hilarious. And out of everything in that box, that's 
that's that was her item of choice. So that's so I funny. Thought, I figured you would appreciate that story. I think so. Yeah, I think it's a sign. And what's beautiful, um, what I just love as well, is that obviously you know we spoke last week. And you then ended up like reading the book and I love your heart as a mum and I just love how um, just eager and intentional you want to be about raising your girls with an awareness of their sexual identity but from that place of celebration, from that place of purity and just your desire to actually do everything that you can even now um, where your girls are, you know, quite young um, but wanting to establish as much of a healthy sexuality for them now at this age, because you actually understand that there is a need to be on the offensive and not on the defensive when it comes to the sexual purity of your children. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yes. I think, you know, I, I'm very, very feminine and girly and all of that. And I guess I just always assumed that I would have boys. You know, I just, I don't know, just in my, I just made peace with the fact that I'm probably going to be a boy mom. And there, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing. And when we found out Kaylin was a girl, I thought, oh my, (laughs) like, whew, okay, let's do this. Right. And then we, we, two years later, we get pregnant again and we find out JL is a girl. And I'm like, Lord, two, two women. I have to raise two women. How in the world is this going to be possible? Just because I know the pool in society Mm. for women, this false sense of strength through Mm. illicit sexuality Mm. and the fact that, you know, people are praising vulgarity and, um, premarital sex and just that, temptation and that that false celebration of what just is displeasing to God and the way that we carry our bodies portray our bodies and even handle our bodies and other people's bodies and you know it's like Lord I want to raise my daughters to desire to be pure to live a life of purity and not as some kind of secret shameful embarrassment but something that they're proud of Mm -hmm. and something that, you know, you can use in their life to glorify you um, in the way that they choose to abstain from sexual temptation. And it's like, that's, that's my desire. And I feel you put that in me. Okay. Now, how, how do I do that? (laughs) You know? And so anytime I come across, like, like my husband and I, we've gone to conferences. I just want to, I just want to collect all the tools that I can and hopes that the Holy Spirit will then, you know, bring something to my my mind and to my heart in those teachable moments as mm-hmm. they mature and get older and grow into being young adults, young women, and then future wives and mothers themselves. Yeah, love that. We'll definitely have to get you back on when we're um, doing an episode on parenting um, and anything oh, yeah, like I'd love that. that. Yeah, yeah, that would be so cool. But Katrina, let's backtrack. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Um, I know obviously you were raised in a Christian home, but in terms of what were some of the um, belief systems and ideologies about intimacy and sexuality that were being formulated in your home environment and how, as you grew, did you perceive yourself or perceive your sexuality, you know, even as, as a Christian or, or as a young teenager? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good question. So my, my parents, they're both ministers. They're in ministry. Um, my, my parents are very much uh, 
raised through the 60s and the 70s. So, you know, you got a lot of people exploring their sexuality during those years. And I think Mm -hmm. possibly because of that, my parents were comfortable talking about sex in our house. Um, And not like necessarily the act of sex, but more so on the lines of how it like God has a plan for sex. So that kind of terminology was very used very frequently in my home. You know, my mother had the talk, you know, the quote unquote, the talk with me Um, around the time I was like maybe uh, 11, I want to say. And then my aunt, my dad's, um, my dad's sister actually had a ministry about purity and I would go because my mother would help her. And so I would go and I would hear people talk and share their stories, some stories of just, you know, God's keeping power and some stories of just, you know, a broken past and how, you know, the Lord has healed them and now they're walking in celibacy. I heard all kinds of stories around the age of 11 and 12. And, you know, I just decided that, well, you know, I, I don't want to have broken stories, you know, and I and I decided in my heart, I just, I wanted to wait till I was married too. And so I just made that decision, not quite understanding what I was committing myself to, but I took it very seriously as a 12 year old girl. I took that very seriously. And so you know, that was something that my family was very aware of. My brother was very aware of it. You know, um, my family was very aware of that. But as I grew and I left, I, w- I went to private school. And then in high school, I switched over to public school. And that was a very big culture shock where, mm-hmm. you know, the my peers were having sex. I had never even been kissed yet, you know, and and my peers are having sex and they're talking about it. And it got to the point where I, I wasn't interested in participating, but I, I wasn't willing to share the fact that I wasn't doing that. Right. Yeah. So I was very quiet about it at school, but amongst my family, you know, that was something that was just common knowledge. Um, and I guess I became a little bit confused because, you know, you start dating and nobody wants to date you. And you start wondering like, okay, well, if I'm doing things God's way and they're not doing things God's way, how come they're getting rewarded for it? So I had some internal confusion about, you know, the fact that I'm doing things God's way and, you know, I have no boyfriends. I have no one calling me. I have no one wanting to spend time with me. And then there are people not doing things God's way and, you know, they have yeah, boyfriends all or this attention and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I was very confused about that. Mm. Um, then going into college is when I found myself having to be a little bit more vocal and verbal mm. because I did start, I started my dating life in college. Actually, my second year of college, I went on my very first date. So what that means, I was about 19 years, 18, 19 years old, my first date. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, how do I, how do I share this? Because I don't know how to share it without scaring someone off or without looking like I am a judgmental person. Um, And so I found myself going through the cycle of, okay, this person likes me and I'm, we go on two or three dates and then I don't hear from them anymore only to find out that they're sleeping with someone else. Do you mm, see what I'm saying? So yeah. that 
was very hurtful and very difficult for me. And so then um, found myself in these situations where I wasn't in a quote unquote committed dating relationship, but I was just spending time with these people and they liked me for a season and then they got very irritated with me and it's because I wasn't having sex with them. And it was one of those things where it was like, I, I didn't lie to you. I was very upfront with you about my decision and my commitment. You said that that was fine. And then three months down the road, you're putting me down and you're making fun of me and you are just not valuing me and you're mistreating me. And so that was a, a huge blow on my self-esteem. Um, and I don't want to prolong this, but I did end up going, spending time with a guy that I shouldn't have been spending time with. And I allowed him to take things a little bit further than I should have. And I did that, number one, because I stopped considering the word of God and I put more focus on my feelings. And I started valuing the opinions of other people who seemed as if they were in these loving, long lasting relationships and that they were happy and they were happy because they were doing things that I wouldn't do. When you were dating, were you dating Christian guys or were you dating? No. And so for you, did you have a choice um, in terms of the guys that you were dating? Were there Christian guys available Mm -hmm. or were you dating guys that weren't believers just because that's the only kind of guy that was around? Like what were the guys like at church? Yeah, that's a really good point. So during this time, I started modeling a lot and my eyes weren't on the Lord. My eyes were on what I was doing, right? My eyes were on the fact that I'm not having sex. I'm not drinking. I'm not cussing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. My eyes are on my own personal checklist. So Mm. living a very hypocritical, self-righteous lifestyle but in my, my mind, as long as I'm not doing these yeah. things, then I'm a Christian. Yeah. So I wasn't in church. Um, my friendship circle changed, and I became very much attracted to worldly things. Now, I didn't want to do the worldly things, but yeah. I wanted to be around them. Sure. Yeah. And so, yes, I think that's a really good point, that yeah. we do have choices. And I chose to be around boys that I met at the club and you know though that was my environment that I chose yeah while still trying to live out a form of godliness yeah yeah but not living in complete obedience um so I was not following Jesus at all but I would have told you that I was yeah 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 so so it's kind of it's mm -hmm. like just being religious isn't it um, yes. but, but thankfully what was amazing is that even though like you mentioned that, um, you know, there was one particular guy that you did end up going further than you would have liked to have gone with them, mm-hmm. but still by the grace of God, the fact that you were a model and you were in that environment, but that he still preserved you. Um, yes. it's really just a real testament just to his grace and his mercy, because like you said, you were making choices that actually mm-hmm. were putting you con like in compromising positions, excuse the pun, but you know, it, mm-hmm. putting you in kind of vulnerable <laughs> positions. Um, so thank God for his mercy. Yeah, definitely. Thank God for his mercy. And I think it was that time where, you know, people were telling me, well, you know, this is so free and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I remember just being hit in the face with the fact that I, I feel worthless. Mm. 
and I hadn't even gone all the way. Like, Lord, I don't want counterfeit love. I want the real thing, and I'm willing to wait for it. And that was kind of my aha moment about how, like, you know, God doesn't tell us to do things because he wants us to miss out. (laughs) You know, his his commandments and his statutes are there to preserve us and protect us from the harm and the danger that sin brings. Mm -hmm. And um, I think for the first time, I realized that, you know, virginity, that's that's physical. Christ is looking for purity. Exactly. And you can be a virgin all you want mm-hmm. and still live an impure life. And that's where I was. Yeah, yeah I was a virgin. Okay. Yeah. But was I following Jesus? No. So were my decisions and my lifestyle pleasing to Jesus? No. Yeah. And so God looks at the heart and my heart wasn't where it needed to be in order to please the Lord. And I had some changes to make and I, I gave my life to the Lord. On, honestly, it was about two years after that, but that kind of was part of the beginning of my journey of co- being a committed Christian and really allowing the Lord to change my heart, to change my life, mm-hmm. and um, you know, really teach me what it means to love Him. Yeah. So good. So what did that look like? So now you're you're still modeling, you make mm-hmm. the decision, actually, I'm going to do this thing with my whole heart, I'm going to live for the mm-hmm. Lord. And did that then pan out with you, maybe not dating? Or were you dating in a different way after that? Like, what did that then look like for you as a committed Christian, navigating through your sexuality before you met your husband? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I didn't date at all. Um, there were people that I, I, there was two, two guys in particular at two different times that I enjoyed their company and I really liked them, but the Lord just made it to where it just didn't, it didn't go very far, um, past just phone calls. Um, and you know, and it's the Lord. And a lot of times, you know, again, we might feel like we're missing out or, yeah. you know, like, but he, he's blocking us. He's, you know, the Bible says like he's his banner over us is love and he's just like keeping us and he has those boundaries around us so that we don't have to have these broken stories. I mean, we're all broken to some extent, yeah. but we don't have to choose brokenness as a way of life. And when we allow him to protect us, he really will. And that's what he did for me. So I didn't not date because I just decided not to date. I didn't date because I just really feel that the Holy Spirit protected me from that. Yeah. And simultaneously, he was changing my husband's heart. Um, His name is Jarrett. You know, in a whole nother city, um, he was changing his heart. And so by the time he and I met, we were exactly where we needed to be in the Lord so that we were prepared for one another. Awesome. Why don't you tell us how you guys met? Oh, okay. Um, so we met at church, and my husband did not grow up in a um, a Christian home, and so he started going to church with a friend of his, and he just he made a commitment to just love the Lord. And at that time, I I was still in school, but I was modeling too, so I was in and out of Atlanta a lot. Um, and so I would sometimes miss him. So if I was, if I wasn't in church that Sunday, but he was, you know, obviously we didn't see each other. And so it was one of those things where we saw glimpses of each other, but not spending real, real time with one another. 
until this one summer where I decided to just take the summer off from modeling so that I could finish up my classes. And I just noticed how this, this young man is just asking these questions, like these very elementary questions about God, like questions that, you know, my parents, that that's just something we talk about casually, but, you know, asking questions about like, like, what's the right way to pray? And, um, you know, like, what does this scripture mean? Or, you know, like, how do you raise your hands to a song? I mean, these were questions he was asking. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was so sweet and so vulnerable and so honest. And I really admired that in him that he wasn't trying to pretend like he was so spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I, I don't know what that means. I don't, what is that? Like, what is a tithe? Like, what, why do you give it? Like those kinds of, he wanted to know he was hungry for God. And that also helped me kind of check my own heart. Like, you know, Lord, he, he is not putting up any pretenses in his Mm -hmm. pursuit of you. I want to love you like that, you know? And so just our friendship grew and just conversations. And then we just both realized that we wanted to pursue a very serious committed relationship with the goal of leading to marriage. And, um, it was actually our second date because we would hang out with friends, but two times we hung out just the two of us. And it was that second time. And he told me, he said, I I would like, I think I would like to marry you. And I thought he was absolutely crazy. Wow. (laughs) How did you feel about him at that point when he said that to you? I wasn't sure. I liked him, but I, I mean, I wasn't willing or interested in having marital conversations. Sure. Um, but I did appreciate the fact that he was serious Yeah. and he wanted to do things the right way. And in his mind, he's like, I'm, I'm not going to spend my time with someone that I don't see as a potential life partner. And I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we just kind of took it one day at a time. And, you know, we did a lot of pr- we really did do a lot of praying. And I made sure that he was around my family a lot. Mm. Because, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that he and my father and my brother could have a harmonious relationship, because that's mm. very important. And if there were any red flags, my dad and my brother would certainly say something. Yeah. Um, and so that's all part of covering too, is just having accountability in your relationship. Yeah. Um, and so my, my family really served as not only accountability for us in our dating, but also as a nurturing, um, resource for him and his growth and development as a Christian. Yeah. What did, uh, dating look like for you two then? Cause if you guys, um, so your family were around a lot. Mm-hmm. And at the beginning, before you guys even made a serious commitment to each other, you guys, from what I understand, were hanging out like in, in larger groups. Is that right? Yeah. Uh huh. So then in terms of dating, what was that like for you guys? And obviously your, your husband, you know, he'd already had sex, right? When you two had mm-hmm. actually started dating. So talk to me a little bit about your relationship and how you both preserved your purity while you were dating and how it was for you. The fact that he, you know, had already lost his virginity. How did you guys kind of navigate through that? Okay. Um, so the first thing we had, we had that conversation, like, and I'm pretty much the way I always started it with anybody that was interested in me. And I let them know I, I have never had sex. I'm a virgin and I'm waiting until I get married. And, you know, 
I'm just letting you know that up front. How do you feel about that? And he was basically like, I, I really admire that. It's something that I wanted to do, but I don't really know what that looks like. Mm. So we had a lot of just open conversations about that. Um, and we set a curfew for ourselves. Cool. So I want to say it was like one o'clock, I think. We were like going to a movie and then out to dinner and then maybe take a walk in the park or something like that. And I love ice cream. So pretty much every day ended in ice cream. So, you know, we're just doing whatever we're doing. We're just out and about. Well, you know, we need to be in the car at 1230 so that you're dropping me off at one yeah. o'clock and then you go your way and I go mine. Um, sort of a thing. Um, you know, not being, I, I did have my own apartment. He was still living at home um, to save money. He'd gotten a really good new job and decided to um, move back home with his dad for a while. So when he would come and visit me or pick me up, you know, we wouldn't be in the apartment like late at night. You know, we would be out. Um, when we're with friends, you know, we wouldn't go off to another room or something like that. We would stay with the group, um, that sort of a thing. And then me personally, I just let him know, like, whatever you say or do, I'm telling my mother. <laughs> and I did. I did. I told my mother, obviously, everything. And then I would tell him that I told my mother. And again, part of that is just that's just the relationship my mother and I had. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to hide that from him. But yeah. also that was just more accountability on his part because he knew, like, okay, like, this isn't just what we do behind like closed doors kind of a thing. Like there are other people involved in our relationship Mm. that are looking at me and have expectations of me. And I think that's really important. And I think that was something that definitely helped support his growth into just really maturing into a godly man is knowing that there were other people that had high expectations of him. Um, and so, yeah, he would ask me questions like, you know, well, what if, you know, what if I wanted to like, you know, cuddle with you? Is that okay? And I'm like, well, what do you mean by, what does cuddling mean? What do you mean by that? (laughs) You know, because people have different interpretations of types of intimacy and touching and all of that. So just having conversations like that or. Um, And how, Katrina, how did you, because I mean, it's like all of this is so wise. And obviously, as you know, like, you know, I talk about kind of like these guidelines when you're dating um, to put those in place, like if you want to preserve your purity. Um, But a lot of families or a lot of um, young people don't necessarily have those things in place. They don't necessarily have people around them to like counsel them. So, you know, where were you getting help and support from? Or was this just stuff that strategies that the Lord had given you? Like, how were you able to actually date well? How were you able to mm. put all these things in place? Um, where were you getting your wisdom from your mom or just the unction from the Holy Spirit? Like, how was that working out for you? Oh, that yeah, that's really good. I think it's a combination of a lot of different factors. Definitely my parents and the fact that they had, you know, an open door policy for us where, you know, my mother, her most famous thing is you can tell me anything, just be careful how you say it. So we've never been, I've never been in a household where something was off topic or Mm, off limit, you know? Um, in fact, and I think I shared this with you one time, like Jared came, I hadn't moved back home at this point and I think we were engaged and Jared had come and he'd spend the weekend with, with us, like my, my family and everything. And he left and I was sitting on the porch and my mom, my mom was like, has they ever gone down your shirt? I said, ma. (laughs) And she said, well, I just want to know. 
I said, no, he hasn't. He's like, well, that's good. <laughs> you know, I mean, just these casual things. Yeah, like, that's I mean, so good. It's so healthy, isn't it? Because it, like, yeah. takes away the um, kind of taboo from it. It's still holy <laughs> and it's still precious and so, you know, sacred. But actually, the fact that you can talk about it and everything's not so mysterious in, a, in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And, it, and, you know, I, a lot of my friends, you know, they – they think it's ghastly that I talked to my dad about sex. And, you know, my dad, he actually did our premarital counseling. Wow. And a lot of people just thought that was the oddest thing. But to me, it's the most natural thing. I mean, my parents, my parents had me. So obviously they know a little bit about sex. I mean, I'm their success story with their sex life. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to my questions, who else better to talk to than them? You know, they're pursuing Christ and they are loving each other like Christ, who else to talk to but Mm. them? And so I do think it does make a difference when you do have a support. It might not be your parents. Not everybody might have parents who are comfortable or who are living for the Lord, but do you have a community? Is there someone at church, a mentor, someone that has an open door policy to you? And if you don't, ask the Lord to lead you to someone and build that relationship because it really does make a difference. Yeah, I Um, agree. None of us know everything, you know? No, none of us know everything. And you do need someone to talk to and pray with you about things. Yeah, and and actually just that that freedom you've got the freedom to be able to go to maybe a couple or go to just someone who's been there done that or someone who is able just to counsel you where you don't have to do anything in secret and that you can go and get wisdom you can be honest you can share your struggles like all those things are so crucial in order to raise raise people up with a healthy perspective of sexuality um, which mm. I know up until now there is a lot of mentorship like missing in in the church, but I do believe it's it's coming. I do believe that there's a turnaround, and the more we talk about sex, the more you actually have liberating spaces and honouring spaces where people can actually um, grow in in you know a celebratory understanding of their sexuality and learn about it and actually walk in it in a way that's you know free of any shame, free of any unhealthy mystery so I I love the fact that you actually already had that because that's a massive blessing because tons of people don't you know tons of people end up falling in sin or or um, having an unhealthy understanding of sexuality or finding themselves feeling uncomfortable about it because they haven't had the kind of upbringing and support network that you have so you are mega blessed well I thank you for that I, I I am so grateful to the Lord but I do you know, anything that we feel we need to hide or keep it, keep secret, like that's, that's the lies of the enemy. Totally. Yep. Because, you know, secrets grow fungus mm. and fungus will destroy whatever it is that you're trying to preserve. Yeah. And so, you know, it's so important to find an outlet to speak the truth in love and to be honest about where you are. And I have to, you know, Jarrett and I did not do everything absolutely perfectly. Mm. We we didn't. We didn't. And I would say I had a, me personally, I had a very difficult time when we got engaged. And I don't know what it is, just some little switch flipped. And I just had a hard time. And I remember telling my mom, like, mom, 
I don't know why I can't seem to keep my hands to myself. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and, um, and it was, it was, it was an alarm to me, but at the same time, it wasn't something that I wanted to keep secret because I mm. wanted to please the Lord. Yeah. And so we did have those moments where we were just like, okay, that kiss went a bit longer and further than it should have. Yeah. You know, we, we admitted it to each other. We apologized to each other. We confessed our sins and then, you know, we um, made the corrections necessary not to make that a habit. Mm. So, again, this isn't like, you know, oh, you know, someone dated perfectly yeah. or, oh, my goodness, she was a virgin when she got married. Again, I just want to really emphasize that virginity is a physical. Yeah, but it's technical, is isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. we always have that invitation from our Heavenly Father to receive his holiness and his purity mm. over any mistake um, that we make in our lives. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. Um, Katrina, I just want to backtrack and just talk about, you know, what you've just uh, mentioned just in regards to like going too far at certain times when you guys were dating and obviously like mm -hmm. that kiss going too far. Um, obviously, you'll know from the book that I'm an endorser of like no kissing um, mm -hmm. in, in your dating relationship, but not to say that there aren't couples who literally can steward kissing well, um, mm -hmm. but because simply because of where it actually does end up leading yeah. to yeah. like as someone who's dated well and as someone who actually found herself compromising at times because of the the kissing what would be your advice to someone who is dating when it comes to kissing what would you say now that you've come over the other side what would you say in regards to should people kiss when they're dating how far mm -hmm. should they go should they use tongues like what's your opinion <laughs> <laughs> well I this is what I, I really believe like the, the more you can just keep for marriage what is free in marriage, the more exciting mm. the other side of marriage is going to be. And so when you think about kissing, is that a quote-unquote sin? No. Can it lead into sin? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so yeah. we think about that scripture where it says, like, you know, I can do anything I yeah. want, but not yeah. everything is beneficial. beneficial. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. not everything is appropriate. Yeah, we do have freedom. But if that freedom is going to leave an entrapment, lead us to entrapment, then that's probably something we don't. We need to have the, the self-control from the Holy Spirit to just yeah. say, it's not appropriate for me at this time. Yeah. I have a cousin and neither one of them were virgins when they met each other, but they committed to not kiss each other until their wedding day. And they both knew just from just being honest with each other and honest with themselves. Like this isn't, if we really want to pursue Christ in this relationship, we are not willing to risk causing one another to fall. Yeah. And so they chose not to kiss until their wedding day. And I'm telling you, I was in such awe of her. And, you know, I just really was so proud of her and really looked up to her for that decision. Yeah. It's a very countercultural decision. Yeah. But when we're living for Christ, we're already living countercultural lives. Yeah. And so um, whatever the world says you need to do, honestly, it's it's a counterfeit. Yeah. And so waiting until marriage to open and explore any form of intimacy, honestly, it's just going to make intimacy on the other side of marriage so much better. Yeah, agreed. I love that. I mean, there's so many different places we can go at this moment. But <laughs> um, 
what did you guys do to cultivate intimacy? Um, obviously, because, you know, we live in a world where there is this misconception that cultivating intimacy looks like having sex. And so mm. in relationships, often the the way that people show one another that they really love one another, or really like one another is they have sex. But we obviously recognize that actually that kind of intimacy is reserved for marriage. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, you know, cultivating a wider sense of intimacy that does that isn't physical is truly what sustains your relationship beyond the physical. So mm -hmm. what were you and um, Jerry doing um, in your dating to actually build non-sexual intimacy? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but I'm a talker. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been a lot of time just... I know it sounds so cliche, but we did, we spent a lot of time just talking and I mean, and talking about everything. So really exploring one another, not being afraid to talk about the ugly stuff, mm. you know, because again, if this is an intentional relationship that we are involving ourselves in to please Christ, to lead towards marriage, we should not be afraid to, you know, expose ourselves and yeah. our past and our yeah. struggles and all of that. And then building each other up, like, you know, I, I see God working in you, Jared. Like, I see you growing. Mm. I'm so proud of you. Like, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, just just living life, just living life and yeah. things that he enjoys. I Like, he's a sports guy. I don't even know where the scoreboard is, but <laughs> that's what he likes to do. So, you know. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say, like, did you guys have loads of fun? Like, what was it like <laughs> recreationally? How did you guys date? Yeah. So, um, you know, again, like spending a lot of time with mutual friends and doing things together with them. Um, we would, there, there were a group of us where like every Sunday we would kind of rotate whose house we were going to eat at. So like, I think it was about a group of eight of us. So we kind of just all moved together, um, house hopping and, you know, going out to like festivals together, going to like worship concerts together, visiting each other's um, apartments and that sort of a thing, um, just building memories with other people. So it wasn't just yeah. a, a us thing, yeah. right? It was a, it was actually, a actually a part of a yeah. community yeah. and that, that community grew, like we grew with each other mm. as we grew with our community. Mm. And so then, you know, once you get to the wedding, you actually have people who have seen you from the beginning and can truly celebrate your whole yeah. progression yeah, yeah, yeah. from dating to now man and wife. Yeah. Um, so so that was that's how we dated. And how um, I love that. Um, and I love that you mentioned your wedding because mm. how was it for you? Like, obviously, you have waited all this time. You know, you know that you're going to be intimate with one another and you're about to get married. Um, did you grapple with any insecurities? Like, how was it for you just even entering into marriage, you know, mm -hmm. with this awareness that you were going to be intimate and and obviously the fact also that Jerry had you know had sexual intimacy before like did you grapple with any you know anxieties as you were approaching your wedding um I did have some some insecurities and some anxieties after the wedding but leading up to it no because I was completely oblivious yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know much of anything. And, you know, I know we spoke about my one bad choice, but even that was not 
anything that would have given me a glimpse into what sexual intimacy really looked like Mm -hmm. on a physical Mm -hmm. level. So Yeah. yeah, I just, I was very, I was very ignorant to what it was, um, you know, and so I was excited and it was, it was, it was like a mystery kind of a thing. It was very mysterious. And so I was very swept away with this looking forward to something that I had no idea what it would be like. Mm. <laughs> um, I remember asking my mom, like, I wonder what I'm going to, I wonder who Mary Katrina is going to be. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, I have a whole part of myself that's like been sleeping and yeah. I just wonder what she's going to be like. And, um, you know, and I have no idea what my mom, she probably thought, Oh child, you're so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sweet and simple. <laughs> but I did, I honestly, I thought that there was going to be some kind of rebirthing of myself on the other side of, of being a sexual woman. And I think in part just because of that cultural, you know, misconception or really lie deception, really yeah. that, you know, you sex awakens you and you, and it does, it does do that, but you're still who you are. You're still who God has called you to be yeah. because he gives his gifts fully. So yeah. he's not fragmenting Katrina until yeah. she becomes sexual. Like, you know, so exactly. my desires yeah. and my hopes yeah. and my dreams are all the same. And it's not because um, I was able to relate to my husband in a more complete and holy way. Exactly, because it's like sex. You know, sex is never a thing just by itself. You know, like just mm-hmm. even God's definition of sex is yada, and it's and it's this wider intimacy, this wider mm-hmm. marital intimacy, this knowing. And so, sex alone can never satisfy anyone and like there's this hype that says that sex can you know truly satisfy you no if it's done outside Mm -hmm. of the context in which it was created for then it will not be as fulfilling as it has the potential to be you know you're aware of the fact that actually it was your union with your husband and it was your union with God like all those things would Mm -hmm. still be fulfilling with or without the sex but the sex is enhanced because it's within that context Exactly. And honestly, you made a really good point because you think about it. If sex is supposed to be the totality of personal fulfillment, why do people break up? Why do people have multiple partners? If sex is the answer, then why are we still looking even after we've had that intimate experience and it's because you're right it's not that's that's a place only god can fill totally and there is actually intimacy that satisfies not sex and Mm -hmm. intimacy that's first and foremost rooted in god um but i do want to talk about your wedding night girl so (laughs) um, (laughs) because obviously you've got an experience where you know it's just a very real experience so talk us through what happened so the wedding, so after we got married and we were in our, um, we were at our uh, reception and, you know, Jared is just kissing my neck in front of my dad. I mean, it was just like, we are married <laughs> and it was great because again, it's like, I don't have to be ashamed of yeah, doing something totally. God's way, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was like, you know, that first taste of freedom where we could just be, I don't know, like just the PDA was just very real. Yeah. <laughs> at our wedding ceremony or at our wedding. Um, <laughs> oh, love our, it. Love it. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, just a lot of just very, very open flirting and giggling. And it was just a lot of fun. It was very sweet. And but so- I, what I love about that, Katrina, is ex- it's exactly how it should be. You know, it's like once you get <laughs> married, it should be celebrated in that way. And I think the the heartbreak is that if you don't have the, I guess, the preparation and you don't have the right perspective, you you miss out on actually that that amazing liberty that comes with I do. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just love the fact that you and your hubby, you know, as soon as I do kicked in, you guys Mm -hmm. were totally enjoying what you, the inheritance that you just stepped into. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, and again, it's like, you know, this, this world has made us think backwards. Like we've got to tune into just a kingdom mindset and what the scriptures say. And, like what is the truth and what is God's word? That's not something we should be ashamed of or hide, you know? And the Bible says, you know, the world, they do things that are shameful and they celebrate it openly. Mm. Whereas when we are following Christ, we want to cover that up. No. Mm. So in the context of marriage, intimacy isn't something that we should be like hiding or tiptoeing around Mm -hmm. about because that's the right way to do it. Yeah. Um, So just owning that freedom that, you know what? I have committed to this man in front of God and that we have kept ourselves, we have done it God's way, and now we can openly celebrate that without fear of condemnation from the Lord. Beautiful. That is it for today's show, guys. You are going to have to join me for part two with Katrina McCain to find out exactly what happened next. Thank you so much for tuning in today. All related social media handles and links can be found in the notes section. If you did enjoy today's episode, then please do feel free to share it and do subscribe to the podcast so that you know when a new episode is coming your way. If you'd like to get in touch, you could do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can just head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys next time. And thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Beautiful, so beautiful.